Hello, and welcome to Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. Hello, Toastmasters. This is Don Griffith, your podcast host. Today, I'm with Peter Salazar. Hello, Peter. Hey, Don. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Awesome. You're a Toastmaster. I know that because I've seen you at a Toastmaster events. How long have you been a Toastmaster? I've been a Toastmaster since August 2009. So 12 years. 12 years, yes. Tell me about how you found out about Toastmasters originally. Originally, I had to find something. I was, I could not speak in any group situation and I was in line to be a manager and my boss told me that if I really wanted the position that I had to overcome that fear or that, that tick that I had that I couldn't speak in public. So I Googled and Toastmasters came up and I joined the next day. So you found a group close or convenient for you? Yes, I, I, I filled out, I went to, I filled out some form and this was like around noon and later that evening, like around five or six, uh, I remember, um, somebody called me and says, hey, we meet tomorrow morning at the Tempe YMCA at 6 a.m. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I needed to go. I, I knew that. There was no question about it. So I, I went there and I became a Toastmaster that day. What was the name of that club? It was called Tempe Toastmasters. Yeah, they're still around. They are. They've been around for a long time. Long time. Are you still club. with them? I'm not. I'm not. I have, I have this thing that most club presidents don't want to hear, but I move around every two to three years to get a different perspective from different clubs, different mm -hmm. members. So I've been part of a lot of clubs in the area, but not all at the same time. They've been... At, as my jobs change, as the, the different requirements change in my life, I've moved around a lot. So what club are you with currently? I'm currently with Leaders Plus Toastmasters, and um, we meet in the Dobson Ranch Golf Course when we were in person, but we've been online for the past, geez, almost two years. Tell me about that first meeting, 6 a.m. at the YMCA, your your you obviously made a decision. You acted quickly on that recommendation by your boss. How was that first meeting? It was great. I walked in there and I saw the club president you know, presiding over the meeting like she was meant to be there, like she had been doing this for years and it was her, her sole purpose in life to be the club president of that club. And the same thing happened with um, the Toastmaster of the day, the sergeant at arms, everyone that had a role at that meeting did it flawless it, in my eyes. My, my first time walking into a room, uh, I remember thinking, I want to be just like her. I want to be like that person. And, um, and coincidentally, a few months later, I was the club president, as, as happens very often in Toastmasters. And um, the one thing that I learned that I, I take with me everywhere I go is the agenda. When I first saw her speaking, when I saw everybody speaking, I had no idea that they were operating under the agenda. Not only that, but they had reviewed it and confirmed roles and they all knew they were prepared for their for their role that day. So 
to me, a new person walking into the room, I was like, oh my gosh, I want to be like them. And, um, and that's probably what, what made me join was that, you know, they, they were supportive and, and they told me, don't worry, you'll get there. And me being so nervous, I was like, I hope so. I hope there's a magic pill, but, but I learned eventually that it was the agenda, the way they executed it, it was, you know, almost perfect. And, and that's really what was sold me was just like, I want to be like you guys, you guys did this great. And even the speakers, I, I you know, I didn't know that they prepared a speech at that moment. They got up there, they presented. I was like, wow, evaluations were positive. It, it, everything was great to, um, to where when they asked me, hey, here's how much it costs. You want to join? I was like, yes, <laughs> sign me up. I, I need to join the club. I've heard that so many times with clubs, including my own. Um, Voice of Many meets also very early, 6.15 a.m. Mm-hmm. We have guests come and very often when we ask for their comments at the end of the meeting, we'll get something along the lines of, wow, you guys are really organized. I can't believe how much you got done in this meeting. Yes. Why do you think people say that? I think because we, we just go with the flow at, in our professions at work, and they are not, for lack of a better word, they're not Toastmasters. They're not prepared to, to handle these meetings. So, so like I said, when I, took, when I took that agenda to heart is I took it back to work. And I did everything that the Toastmasters do, but I did it at work. And, and what that did for me was it helped me get my meetings organized. It helped me get the tasks accomplished during the meeting. So it was no longer, is Don going to show up? Is he going to present? Is he going to talk for four hours? It was, I would call you up, you know, the day before or an hour before the meeting. Don, are you going to show up? Hey, I need you to present A, B, and C. And you got five minutes. Uh, so what that did for me professionally was it got me recognized where other senior people in the company started asking me to help them run their meetings. And I eventually got promoted, which is the good part. They, they asked me about, they attributed it to my military training, not knowing that it was something I learned a month ago in Toastmasters that I was now bringing to the company. And it was um, very rewarding and you know it made me seem professional. And because Toastmasters is such a positive place. It was never like, Don, I need you to show up or else. It was always, hey, Don, can you please show up? It'd be very important. Five minutes, I'll call you around, you know, the half hour. And people were welcoming and they, they wanted to come to the, the meetings that I was managing at the time. So um, I, I think that's lacking in a lot of organizations. You know, a lot of them will hire $10,000 a month people to help them organize their meetings or revamp their management teams. Uh, not knowing that it could be in their own office, Toastmaster Club, for a couple hundred bucks. For and everybody. For, for everybody to, <laughs> to learn and practice. Um, it, it's just something that I, I've seen personally with, my, with some of my clients right now. They hire uh, professionals who come coach them, uh, CEO coaching and stuff like that. And they charge tens of thousands of dollars per month. And that coaching is just a one-time thing for that one business owner, not for the whole team. So um, I, I think that's why businesses or companies, you see it where they're just like, nobody wants to go to meetings, they're unorganized, it's just like somebody's managing it. Um, they, a lot of companies, anyone listening out there, they can benefit from Toastmasters program. 
what I hear you saying is that in, in many different kinds of organizations, businesses or anything else, people don't know how to have a productive meeting. Correct. They haven't been trained. Yes. They know that the meeting might be important. Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But if there's no agenda and there's no expectation of meeting a time limit, mm-hmm. yeah. And those are all things that Toastmasters teaches and it's easy stuff. It, it is. Really, it's, not, it's not rocket science. Yeah. What kind of work do you do? I am an accountant, so I'm a CPA. I recently started my own practice. So I'm going out there now, me, the, the shy guy who couldn't get a word out years ago, and I'm saying, do you have an accountant? <laughs> do you need your CPA? Uh, I do taxes, but I only do it for people that I do accounting services for. Right. So... Um, while I have worked at H&R Block and, and QuickBooks and those companies in the past, I don't do that on the public side. I do it for if, if I operate, if I'm doing your books, you know, doing your accounting on a monthly basis, then come year end, I will do your business tax return, your personal tax return, your kids tax return, et cetera. It's um, something that I, that I learned that works well and it keeps us without working 80 hours a week. But that's what I do, and that's what I transition to. Uh, I believe, you know, I attribute a lot of it to Toastmasters because um, I became an accountant because I knew I had no sales skills, no, no ability to present. And I said, I want to be a professional, keep my head down, work in a cube, get paid well. And that changed uh, over the past 12 years when I figured, hey, I, public speaking isn't as scary as people make it seem. So when you tell people you're a CPA and they nod off, yeah. <laughs> that was that was perfectly fine for you. You're just invisible man. Exactly. Not anymore. Not anymore. You mentioned that many of your colleagues attributed this newfound organizational skill to your military training. Uh, what branch of the military were you in? I, I am a Marine. I was in the Marines from 1994 to 1998. And um, you know, people just notice that about you. I don't know what it is. Like, were you in the service? Like, people ask me that. I, I don't know why or how they, they know it. But um, I guess veterans know each other. So <laughs> so it's very easy. Like, What did your Marine experience bring to bear when it came time for you to be a more productive employee you know they in the marines nothing is easy it's it's always hard work and and processes and um and just preparing for the unknown so that that really helped me and you know coincidentally i remember when i was in the marines i i want to be all i could be right just like the commercial (laughs) so i joined the marines i'm thinking i'm gonna be carrying a rifle and they put me in purchasing so one year, one summer, I was stationed in Yuma, in the hot Yuma desert, and one summer I was teaching a class on how to fill out a purchasing requisition form, right? And I remember at the time, I don't know how old I was, 20, 21, who knows, I taught this class, everybody was snoozing, and at the end of the day, some guy says to me, kid, you need Toastmasters. And I remember looking at him saying, whatever, but what was it, 10, 15 years later when I was looking for something and I found Toastmasters and I Googled it, I remember that guy telling me that I needed Toastmasters way back then. How long was that in between? It had to be about 15 years in between. 
Well, that's, that's usually what I tell people about planting the seed. They may not join your club today or, or tomorrow. They may come back 10 years later, or they may join a club in another city, another area, but you're still helping somebody when they need it. They may not need it today. They may not recognize that they need it today, but when the time comes, they're going to be like, that guy told me about Toastmasters way back then. And um, some recruiter came to my office the other day, and she was talking. She's like, are you a Toastmaster? I've always thought about that. I was like, cool. Well, there's a bunch of clubs around this area. Uh, when you're ready, um, let me know, and I'll, I'll refer you to them because I know almost everyone in every club. I know somebody in each club. So you ask me about a club, and I'll, I'll tell you about it when you're ready. And she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Don't know if she's going to go tomorrow, next week, or in a year from now. Or 15 years. You never know. Never know. Like Johnny Appleseed. (laughs) (laughs) Plant the seed. Plant the seed. Great. So you were a president very soon after you started it. You said it just a little while. What caused you to agree to that? I mean, that sounds like a pretty scary thing to a new Toastmaster. I believe after the first time I was a Toastmaster of the day, I was real nervous. And of course, everybody was positive and they're like, hey, great job, et cetera. And um, I remember thinking to myself, okay, <clears throat> I got the butterflies out of my stomach. I could do this again. The second time I was a Toastmaster of the day, I noticed there was a little less, less butterflies in my stomach. I was getting more comfortable. So um, when the president position vacated, I, I believe it was somebody got promoted and they had to go out of state or, or they couldn't come to the meetings no more. And like, we need a new president. I said, you know, every time I go up there, I feel more comfortable. So I'm gonna do this. So I have to go up there every week and um, I can feel more comfortable speaking in front of, you know, presiding over meetings. And it, it was true. It helped every time I got up and presided over the meeting, I felt more comfortable. I, you know, I didn't actually grow, but I felt taller. I felt better every time I went up there. Um, and, and, you know, everything in Toastmasters is, is at your own pace. And that was the pace that I was ready for. So the opportunity came and I decided, I raised my hand and they were like, you're it. <laughs> uh, I have previously been volunteered to be the club treasurer because I was the accountant. And I was like, okay, sure. And sure. Yeah, why not? Like, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I. I was actually, actually, I I believe I got nudged by somebody sitting next to me to to raise my hand. So I'm seeing a pattern here. You find that you are lacking in some respect. Originally, it was just being uncomfortable speaking and trying to avoid it. Exactly. And then you were told, why not Toastmasters? And you went and joined the next day. Okay, great. And now you had another opportunity where you realized you weren't where you wanted to be. Mm-hmm. You knew that you weren't probably going to be comfortable being president, but your experience in the club told you, I get better each time. Yes. Let's keep that going. Yeah. yeah. In your club, in that club, what were the president roles? How did the president uh, come into the meeting? Because it's different for it is. each club has a little different style. The, the president started the meeting. She, oh. she hit the gavel and started clapping, and, and the meeting began. She okay. started introducing roles and functionaries. Yeah. That's so, how our club does it. Yeah. President starts, introduces some of the very early roles, and then introduces the Toastmaster of the day. Correct. Yeah. Yes. 
So president of Tempe Toastmasters, and I happen to know you. I know that you advanced a little bit more than the president role. You took on some other leadership opportunities. Take us I on did. a quick journey through some of those leadership roles you had. I did. So after I left Tempe Toastmasters, um, my job schedule changed. I went to another club. It was called Rise and Shine. And they met on Saturday mornings at more reasonable 7 a.m., and I remember, I don't know if he's still around, but Toastmaster Mike Murray just got his DTM. And I asked him, what's a DTM? And he's like, oh, it's the highest education level in Toastmasters. You have so much, you have to give so many speeches, do so many leadership roles. Um, and he signed me up to be a club coach on the spot. <laughs> I guess I needed to be a club coach. And he was a club coach chair or something like that. And, um, and he said, and then you have to be an area director. I was like, okay, so, so I, I found out about being a club coach. Um, I, because of that, I, I met a lady, um, past Toastmaster Hallie Adams, and she made me an area director. The same thing the next day. She's like, "Here's an, nice to meet you. Here's an application for area director." And I was scared because I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> what but have I, what have I gotten myself into this exactly. time? Exactly. <laughs> but but it's just you know, like I said, Toastmasters is steps a lot of steps and that was the next logical step it got me outside the club help you know talking to multiple clubs organizing era contests i met a lot of great toastmasters because i was like i don't know what to do they're like go talk to connie weiss uh i, I don't know what to do here go talk to um somebody else and you know one thing after that people referred me to somebody else i i remember i was like what's uh I need judges. And they're like, uh, that guy, JD, walking over there, JD, he's going to help you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, um, and what I learned is that leadership is not something you do by yourself. I thought I had to plan everything, do everything myself, and, and I was driving myself crazy. But every time I said, I don't know what to do, somebody uh, would tell me, talk to this person. Have you done this? Have you, have you tried this? Uh, it was, you know, even the like, hey, Go to the night ancestor and ask them for water. You're a Toastmaster. They, they might donate to your club contest. And I was like, that sounds scary. But I did it, and they gave me water. Uh, I, I took it so much as I went to this Phoenix Suns office, and I said, hey, I'm having a contest for Toastmasters. Like, here's a backpack full of goodies. Go. <laughs> uh, so uh, I had a great time being an area, an area director or area governor back then. And um, I, I met a lot of great people. And, but, but I was tired. When the year ended, I was exhausted. And I said, I never want to do that again. Uh, good luck, everyone. And I, and I became a, a regular Toastmaster. And, and, then, and then I won a ticket to spring conference because I was a club coach. And at, at that spring conference, I met a lot of people. And um, somebody found out that I was an accountant. And they're like, hey, I'm going to be the district director next year. I, I need a finance manager. And I had just met this lady, Enid, and she's like, would you like to be the finance manager next year if I win? I was like, sure. So I didn't know what I got myself into again. But but at least this was on a subject that you were right. familiar with. How how complicated could the accounting and finances be for a Toastmaster group? Exactly. Uh, yeah. What's, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> so, so I did that, and um, it, it was... 
it was a great year. You know, we had our ups and downs and we learned a lot. And, and then, um, again, I was tired. I was tired at year end and, um, I just want to go back to competing and doing speech contests. And I did that. And then uh, one of my mentors, Patrick Fitzgerald, he said, you know, I see you being a, a district director one year. And um, at, at that time, I told him he, he was crazy. And I was like, that's not, nothing I ever want to do. Um, Wasn't on your radar. Nope. I definitely didn't want to do it. But one year, like, like I mentioned earlier, I saw that one of the CEOs, we had like two CEOs at my company, one of the CEOs was paying $14,000 a month for leadership training. The company was paying for it. And when he, he, I sat in through one of those meetings and it was almost like a Toastmaster meeting, but instead the speakers were, um, they had all written books or something. So they would bring in, they would share speakers. They were all book writers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, this is exactly like a Toastmaster, like, you know, on, on a different scale, but similar. It reminded me of Toastmaster so much and, and the leadership training that we, I kind of received during the, um, my year as area director. So then at that moment, I had like this epiphany. I was like, I need to be an area director. <laughs> uh, not only to, to learn more, you know, I guess on the personal, the greedy side, it was to learn more. But uh, I, I felt the district could use some a different perspective. Um, there, there, I, from what I remember hearing, there wasn't too many people stepping up to be in the leadership roles. And I felt both like I could benefit from it and like I can give back to it. It, it wasn't just, uh, hey, I want to be an director so I could preside over the district. No, it wasn't exactly that. I knew I would get good training from it, and I did. But I also knew that... Um, at the time, what I kept hearing was like, we don't have enough leaders advancing. There's, we're struggling for leaders. I was like, I'll do it. I, I just something that I needed to do and something that I felt that I can give back to, to an organization that had given me so much. I volunteered for it and I, I got to work with great people. Uh, Michael Holian, Jim Ang, David Hopper. You know, Karen Hewitt, it was, it, you know, the, the two years I was in, in the trio, it was just great. And, um, you know, no, no day was easy. <laughs> there was always our, our ups and downs, but at least in, during my years in the trio, we were on the same page. We had the same mentality. Uh, you know, during the mid-year trainings, there was always uh, a presentation where they said, this is my year and we're going to do it my way. It was a like a, a mock toast ma- mock district director doing that. And I felt that none of us felt like it was my year. We're going to do it my way. It was like, how are we going to serve the members? How are we going to help these clubs that are struggling? How are we going to accomplish a district mission? And that's something that you don't learn at work or you don't experience at work too often. Cause you know, at work people are usually gunning for themselves. They're like I need to be the best. I need to, um, you know, sell more than you do whatever it was. And, and here we were working as a team. There, there was no lack of people that, you know, looked up to you and, and needed your support and to have a different perspective, not being where like, I'm being paid to be the director. You're being paid to manage these teams. It was like, I'm volunteering to be the director. You're volunteering to be the, the division director, the area director. How can we work together? 
completely different perspective, completely different look on leadership that makes you rethink your, your, your own way. And how are, how am I doing this at work? Am I, am I approaching it the same way? So it gave me a, you know, two solid years of, of great leadership experience in a different perspective. I want to put some of what you've been telling me in perspective for people who are not familiar with Toastmasters, who are listening. When you were in your first club, you were the president. How many members did you have, roughly? We were always teetering around 20. So you had basically 20 people under your wing. You were a manager of 20. Now, fast forward to the year you were district director. How many people were within your organization? We had eight division directors and 45 area directors who each managed roughly five clubs, you know, anywhere between four to six clubs. And each club can have anywhere from, you know, they're supposed to have 20, but, you know, they they range from 10 to 15 members per club on average. So... And overall, in the District 3, which is Arizona, how many members altogether? I believe we have roughly 2,000 members. Yeah, maybe more. And clubs, lots of clubs, close to 200 clubs. You went from being the leader of 20 people in just a few short years to being the leader of thousands of people with hundreds of clubs and dozens of leaders who were working with you all for the same goal. Yes. That sounds like a pretty good training for management and leadership. I'm stumped by the the numbers you just gave me, the way you put it in perspective. It's, it was, yeah, it was that great. Do you think, just imagine yourself doing that in your work. Do you think that could ever happen? For most of us, no. It wouldn't. You wouldn't have the opportunities. Right. You wouldn't have that camaraderie, that support. Because as you said, people are looking out for their own. Mm -hmm. And that's a rational thing to do. But when you're all working together for the same goal. It's different. Yeah. 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 Not too many people are going to have that chance in their work to uh, manage a couple of thousand people and and a couple of hundred uh, divisions or whatever you want to think of it. Yes. Yeah, it's great. And, and and it's with without that fear of you know, I see a lot of people lose weight, you know, just go when they become managers because they have that fear of being unsuccessful. And not that I'm promoting this, but in Toastmasters, if you're unsuccessful, you don't get fired. You just get another opportunity to do it again. I've seen a lot of area directors say, "You know what? It was an okay year, but I want to try again." And I love seeing that in, in Toastmasters who say, I could do this better next year. Sure. I remember um, when I became district director, I believe it was um, the chief judge said, I did it okay last year. I want to do it better next year. Can I stay on as chief judge? I was like, yes. Yeah. So now that uh, your year as district director just ended last June 30th, correct? Yes. So now you're the immediate past district director. You're not getting all the phone calls and the emails. Nope. How does that feel? It feels great. (laughs) (laughs) I remember, because I was a district governor back in the day. And that next day after I'm no longer in charge, felt good in one way. But I also had this, 
what am I missing here? Mm-hmm. Something, there's something else I need to do. You are now currently involved in another district operation. We have a group called the Speakers Bureau. Yes. And tell me, tell me uh, what you did or why you joined up with the Speakers Bureau. The Speakers Bureau is where the community gets to come to Toastmasters, in our case, District 3 Toastmasters or AZ Toastmasters, and say, um, hey, I'm looking for a speaker. Do you have anything in my area? So, for example, there was a business conference a couple months ago, and Steve Feld is a business coach, and they hired him to go present at that business conference. You know, if it would have been in, in real estate, uh, you know, one of the real estate presenters could have gone and presented on their profession. So what we do is we have a website. It's within uh, aztoastmasters.org, and we have the presenters, what, they, what their topics are that they can come and present for the clubs. And what we do when we go there is we're, we usually contact the club growth director, and we say, hey, we're going to present at this place. If it's a business, we'll let them know, do you want to come with us? Do you want to give me flyers? There might be an opportunity to present Toastmasters and maybe get a new club in there, uh, help them with whatever their struggles are. Or, or at the very minimum, sometimes the speakers get asked, hey, how did you, you're a polished speaker. I know Travis gets asked all the time, you're a polished speaker, where'd you learn that? And regardless of where we learned it, I learned it in Toastmasters, but we're all supposed to say we learned it in Toastmasters. Um, or here's, here's a local club, here's how you can get started. Uh, because it's true, at, at least in my experience, it's 1,000% true. I learned everything in Toastmasters uh, about how to present and give presentations that you know, help the businesses accomplish whatever they want to accomplish. Yeah. Now, my understanding is the Speakers Bureau this year has tr- doing something with a little different spin. There are members of the Speakers Bureau who are true professionals. Yes. They will speak and they get paid for it. Yep. Then there are aspiring professionals yes. who aren't quite there yet, and they're part of the Speakers Bureau as a learning experience from those other professionals. Correct. And then there's a, a third group, and that's regular members who don't know whether they want to be a professional speaker or not. Mm-hmm. They've heard, though, there's some great evaluations, there's some great education that happens, and you, there, you'll meet some great people. Oh, that's true, and I'm probably in the middle. I'm not a, what you call a paid presenter, and um, somewhere, I get paid sometimes. So, but it's for a specific purpose. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not like a Tony Robbins type person. I get paid for my, speci- my specialty. Yeah. Um, but what you learn there, so I don't learn, I don't know some of the things like, you know, Karen Hewitt presented on how to have your, how to present yourself on, on, on a sheet. You're, Travis Harden always presents on, you know, things that we're not aware of, the business part of it. So something as simple as your intro, it, it's not going to be the same for everywhere you go. It's going to be tailored to that presentation, to that customer. Uh, how much you charge should be, you should have a professional looking sheet on how much you charge and what you do, what you don't do, what you need. Uh, I remember being at a Toastmaster meeting. We were at a bar. The waitress came in, and the Toastmaster didn't know what to do. 
So speakers know that they're like, nobody comes in while I'm speaking. I've, I've gotten, I've been late to meetings where like the speaker speaking, you cannot come in. Uh, so, so all that stuff is something that we learned the business part of it. There's a lot of great training on the business part. And then just like any Toastmaster, man, you have all the training. We practice our presentations. Hey, I'm going to speak next week. Here's my presentation. Give me some feedback. You know, I, I've been rusty. I haven't really spoken professionally in over a year. And when I was there last month, they gave me some excellent feedback. And that's what we expect. We, we don't want the cookie cutter feedback. We want the hard feedback because this is supposed to be your profession. So I, I want people to tell me how I can improve so I can continue to get paid. Because if I dwindle, I might not get paid anymore. <laughs> so it's a great, great um Great presentations on how to be a professional. Great feedback uh, above and beyond what you get at a club on your presentations themselves. And as you mentioned earlier, it's an it's a way for the um, the public to reach out to Toastmasters and find one of you. Yes, there's like you said the website. If they go to the aztoastmasters.org website, just search for Speakers Bureau. You'll get the information you need. Yeah, when you go to our main website, you should scroll down. There's something in there, uh, six buttons, and one of the, I think the middle one is find a speaker, and it'll route you to yeah. where to find the speakers bureau. So it's a it's a great website. I encourage anyone that in the community that needs a speaker start with Toastmasters because they're they're that great. They're, yeah. they're great presenters. Peter, it's been fun talking to you. I learned some things about you that I didn't know before, even though I've known you for a number of years. Thank you. It's, it's great to watch the way you approached the learning experience in Toastmasters. You didn't dilly-dally. I mean, yes, that initial one back when you were a Marine <laughs> and you, you didn't pay any attention. You were young. And sometimes when we're really young, we don't see yeah. the, ven- the benefit of things like that. But when, you, when it finally started to matter, you got the advice you acted on it almost immediately yes. and then took every opportunity along the way as a learning experience. A lot of people don't realize that Toastmasters is an educational nonprofit. That's why it exists, Correct. to help people become better communicators and better leaders. If you're listening to this and you're not a Toastmaster and you want to know more, there's a website that you should write down. It's www.toastmasters.com. Dot org. If you visit our main headquarters website, there's a big friendly button that says find a club. There's also a lot of great information about the program, but if you say, well, what, what about me in my city, in my town? Use that find a club button, dial it in. You can put in your zip code, your time of day, or the day of the week that works for you, and see if there's somebody that matches up. Mm-hmm. With contact information, reach out. And pretty soon you're going to be just like Peter, yeah. confident, well-spoken, getting paid to speak on his chosen topics. You just never know where Toastmasters will take you. Never know. Peter, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you, Don. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Grand Canyon Echoes, the voice of District 3 Toastmasters. To volunteer to be featured on the podcast or to suggest future topics, Write podcast at aztoastmasters.org. That email again is podcast at 
aztoastmasters.org. Toastmasters International and all other Toastmasters International trademarks and copyrights are the sole property of Toastmasters International. This podcast is independent of Toastmasters International. It is not endorsed by, sponsored by, affiliated with, or otherwise connected with Toastmasters International, other than for the use of the name Toastmasters International.